Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Anyone got their Bible? Just, hey, I see you, Tom. Well done. I was going to make like a comment that was blatantly just going to blow myself up and be like, get a big head. I'm like, nah, don't do that. All right, it says this, Acts chapter 4, verse 23. We're going to read down to verse 31. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why did the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in, the city to, in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had already decided beforehand should happen. Everyone say power. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word, your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal, to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I will provide more context for that passage of scripture as we go tonight, but that is going to be where we land things tonight. So the theme as we go into this month is for the one. Um, This is about valuing the individuals in our world. It's recognizing that we are called as the people of God, not only to um, enjoy God and to grow in him, but rather that we are also called to go out into the world and introduce the world to the God that we know, love and serve and who has so radically changed our life. We also recognize that in, under this theme, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And that all of us have at least one person that we could begin to develop a relationship with, uh, have a friendship with, not, not with an ulterior motive, but with the primary motive being, I wanna see you come to know Jesus. I want to see you come to know the God who so changed my life. And when we've encountered God in a, in a real way, we can't help but do that naturally. It's not this weird thing that we have to kind of conspire. It's this thing that we go like, like if you go to a nice restaurant, you automatically don't have any hesitation going, hey, you should check out this restaurant. It's normal, it's natural. And in the same way, when God has so changed our life, so, so much given us love, purpose, hope, and a future, it's natural for us to go, hey, have you met Jesus? Hey, do you know the God who's changed my life? And so that's the theme that we're talking about and coming under this month. Um, When I think about that, I can't help but think about the fact that we, we give out of who we are. Whenever we're interacting with people, whenever we come into conversations with people, we're actually interacting out of who we are. There's the sum total of our experiences, our upbringing, our, um, our, I don't know, the, the, the sum of all our moments, highs and lows. And, and tragically, for some of us, or for a lot of us, at, at certain points, 
what comes out of us is actually the result of trauma, the result of pain, the result of hurt, disappointment, fear, failure. We've all experienced at some point in our life one or multiple of the things, categories that I just said there, and they're, they're personal for all of us. You have moments in your life where the fear has taken a hold of your heart. You have moments in your life where you've experienced the trauma of life. You've had moments in your life of, of deep pain and, and deep sorrow. Or you've had moments where people have hurt you or, or you've hurt yourself or, or whatever. And, and, and you carry those with you in life. Memories, moments. Maybe your upbringing wasn't the greatest. Maybe the family line that you come from wasn't awesome. That's not to say everything's terrible, but the, these moments mark our souls. They, they leave an indelible mark within us. And so when we then come to interact with others, we can't help but bear those scars. We can't help but bear those marks. This is the tension that we walk into when we come under the theme of the one, is that whenever we're interacting with people, we speak out about totality of experience, not just the good parts of us, not just the parts of us that we'd love you to see about us. Because eventually, the deeper you go into a relationship with others, the more they get to know the other side of you, the side that you didn't want them to see, the unvarnished, unfiltered, messy side. And this is, this is the tension. The solution is to have our lives marked by God. The solution is to have our lives shaped by God, having encounters and moments with God that, that don't, necess don't necessarily do away with the marks of uh, the other things in our life, but supersede them. They're, these are the things that, yes, I know I was hurt, but I also recognize that in Jesus Christ I have victory. Yes, I know I was disappointed, but I also recognize that in Christ I still have a future and a hope. It's this, this countercultural way of understanding our reality and our identity that we realize that when our lives are shaped and marked by God, it supersedes the other things in our life. And, and that is where we can then have power to interact with the world around us in such a way that we go, because we've been marked by God, we now have something to offer the world around us. Because we've encountered a living God, we can now walk into situations and circumstances and say, hey, I've got something for you. I've got something to offer you because I've encountered God. I've seen Him. I've, I've heard His voice. I've witnessed His power. I've experienced His presence. And so that... That's really what I want to speak into tonight. The title of my message is The Kingdom of God is a Kingdom of Power. And let us pray. Father God, tonight, like Paul, God, I don't want to come with eloquent speech, but rather demonstrations of power. And already you've begun to speak and you've pointed people out, but I pray that tonight, God, that there would be an outpouring of your spirit, that people walk away not remembering what I said, but rather remembering the encounter that they had with you. Let us leave changed, God. Let us leave marked. Let us leave shaped by your spirit, by your power, and by your presence tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen? Are you with me tonight? Come on, we didn't come to play church. You didn't come to hear me speak. And it will be only speaking if God doesn't show up. But if he's here, if he does something, if he shows up, We'll blow out the run sheet, I'll kick over the pulpit, and we'll just like allow God to do whatever he wants. Because that's what we came here to do. We came here to encounter God through his word and th by his power. I remember growing up, um, I love church. 
I've always loved church. Um, I'm a church boy. I've probably been in more church services than you've had coffee. Um, I've like, I, like if church was open, I was there. Like if it's a prayer meeting, if it's a, uh, a worship service, if it's a Sunday service, if it's a youth, if it like I, I've been, name an area of the church, I've served in it, I've done it. Like I, I love church. Uh, and so th- there was a time out, I've just finished high school and um, you know, uh, we would do these things called treasure hunts. And so basically what it would be is a night of the week, we would gather together in, at church and, and we would, for the first half of the night, just spend time praying, um, worshiping God, just, um, just asking him to encounter us, asking him to, to speak to us. Uh, and then we'd spend time prophesying and praying over each other so that we're, we're filled, we're overflowing, that we're just like, like people would speak and, you, you know, you're like, I just sense God wants to say this about you or God just wanted to see. And I, I still have some of those words today that encourage me and remind me of who I am and, and what God has placed on my life. And then the second half of the night, the, the whole first half was only done in preparation for the second half of the night where we would then go out to our local shopping center, which at the time was Westfield Carindale. And we would try to identify the people that God had highlighted to us in that initial prayer meeting. And so in the initial prayer meeting, after we'd done prophesying and praying and and worshiping and doing all that kind of stuff, we'd specifically ask God, hey God, we're going to go out tonight and we want to we want to meet the people that you want us to meet. We want to talk to the people that you want us to talk to. Would you give us images, pictures, feelings, unctions, ways to identify the people that you would call us to meet? And so God would give us pictures. We, you know, you'd, you'd, uh, there'd be a guy with a red shirt. Okay, guy with a red shirt. We're going to look for a guy with a red shirt. Uh, girl with high top Nikes. Okay, girl with high top Nikes. You know, and so it, it would go like this. And you might get one person, you might get three people. You don't know, right? It's just like however God leads the moment. And then you'd go out to Carindale and you'd just be walking around and you'd see a dude with a red shirt and you'd go, we're on, you know, like, and so everyone's like, I can feel the tension. Like, you're not about to walk up to him and talk to a brand new stranger. You're like, yes, that's what, exactly what we did. We would walk up to him and be like, hey, how are you? My name's Dan. He'd go, cool, I'm Joe. I don't know, you know. And like, you're like, Okay, cool. And we'll just begin a conversation. It's like, hey, Joe, listen, I just want to be up front with you. We were praying earlier tonight for God to let us know about uh, who we should talk to tonight. And he highlighted you to us as a guy in a red shirt. Is there anything we can pray for you for? Or is there things? Other times it would be a little bit more specific. You know, you'd see something that would like reveal what God's heart was for in that moment. So sometimes they were injured or sometimes they would just open up in conversation and just talk about the crap night they're having or something like that. And you're able to speak in that moment and minister. And time and time after again, we saw God's power move in a significant and and specific way in that individual's life because we we created space for that. Because we we, we talked about not just going out and having really good conversations with people, but demonstrating the power of God in their life. We prayed for people, they got healed. We, we prayed for people with like leg issues and they'd walk normally or they, they'd have broken limbs and they'd get healed or, or we'd give words to people in, in their season and they would talk about how that just spoke right into what, it, like there was demonstrations of power. Because we recognize that the kingdom that we belong to was not just a kingdom of talk or nice Sunday services, but rather there was a kingdom of power. And, and the power wasn't just for our enjoyment and our consumption. Like we didn't stop the night on the first half when we just like got words for each other and prayed and you know, felt good about ourselves and went home. No, the kingdom of God was for our conscription and our commission. 
It was, the, it was the building into our life that we could then pour out our life to somebody else. We recognized that we were um, being marked by God, touched by God, shaped by God, that we might then go out and do the same in somebody else's life, bring the hope, the freedom, the, the joy, and the power of God in their situation. And you might be sitting here tonight and you're not really familiar with church. You might be here as a guest. Thank you so much for being here with us. Maybe you're joining us online for the first time. The reality is all of us belong to some kingdom. You might not realize it or not. If you follow Jesus, you have been brought out of darkness and into the kingdom of light. If you don't follow Jesus, the Bible tells us that you have not yet come to the understanding or the, un, or the knowledge of the goodness of God, and therefore you're still part of the, the system of the world, the, the kingdom of darkness that operates in the world. But there is hope for you in Jesus. But the truth is, you're never outside of some form of kingdom. You're either one, in one kingdom or the other. You don't get brought out of darkness and then just put into whatever you feel like until we get to heaven. No, we get brought out of darkness into light that we might then represent that kingdom and all that that entails, which includes the power of God. Listen, the Christian faith is a power-based faith. Right from the get-go, in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. There was darkness over the waters, and the Spirit of God hovers over the deep. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Like, first three verses, bang, God's demonstrating his power. Because it wasn't, that was day one of creation. Day four of creation, God creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. So I don't know what that light was, but it was just obedient to God. That's power. In fact, throughout the whole of Scripture, we see the demonstration of God's power time and time again. Like, we could just spend, like, the next 20 minutes talking about Moses and the things that he did. Plagues, splitting the Red Sea, uh, water out of a rock, manna from heaven, like... That's just Moses' story. There's Gideon, there's Samson, there's the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, which was just like obliterated because of God's judgment on that town. Um, there's Noah, there's the Tower of Babel. It's like one of my favorite like little reels that goes around on Instagram is like the Tower of Babel one where he's like, you know, he's like, hey man, how are you? He's like, and the other dude's like, he's like, what? Like, it's like my all-time favorite. I like lose it and send it to Talia every time. I'm like, it's, it's the best. Um, we've got Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. We also have Joshua in the, like, hey, God, can you make the sun stand still? And for 24 hours, the whole of, like, universal calculations pauses for 24 hours. Like, that's power. Uh, we have Elijah calling fire from heaven. We have Elisha splitting the Jordan River. We have Jonah surviving in a fish for three days. Like, these aren't just stories to us. They aren't fairy tales. They're not just, like, we believe that this stuff actually happened. And on and on and on, we believe that the Christian faith is a kingdom, is a, is a kingdom of power. It's a power-based faith. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for those who believe. Luke 8 uh, tells the story of Jesus going to heal a, a little girl. And in the process, another woman comes up to Jesus and says, hey, uh, uh, he does, she doesn't say that. She thinks to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his robe, I can be healed. She touches his, the hem of his clothes. And Jesus' response is, I felt, who touched me? I felt power leave me. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, I didn't come to you with persuasive arguments, but with demonstrations of power. Later on in that same uh, book of the Bible in 1 Corinthians 4.20, Paul, Paul verbatim says, the kingdom of God is power. 
Uh, Ephesians 3.18, Paul is speaking to the Ephesian church and he says, I pray, that you might ha- I pray that with God's people you might have power to know the breadth, the width, the height, the depth of the love of God. And then two verses later, he, uh, no, sorry, then uh, in 1 Timothy, he's instructing Timothy, he says, uh, has not given you a spirit of fear, but power. Still with me? Good. All right. Uh, Ephesians 3.20 says that God, uh, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we could think or imagine according to his great power that works within us. And Jesus, talking about his second coming, says, you shall see the Son Hello. I haven't used the microphone in ages. I'm <laughs> Stop it. All right. First Corinthians 1.18 says, the, cro- uh, the message of the cross is the power of God to those who are being saved. And Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We receive this power to be his witnesses. That same verse tells us. And so we can see throughout Scripture, both Old and New Testament, that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. And it's this power that shapes us. It's this power that marks us. In fact, as sons and daughters of God, this power is our inheritance and our birthright that we get to walk in because the King, who is our Heavenly Father, also rules in His kingdom of power. And and these are the things that have shaped my life. I grew up in church. Like, I remember, um, man, the stories I could tell you. I, I remember being like six or seven and, and being in a service and there's gold dust. I probably told this story before, like, but witnessing the power of God, my mom's like bawling her eyes out and I'm freaking out. I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, it's okay. This is like a good crying. Like when your parents are defining what bad crying and good crying is. And, and, and this is a good crying. I just feel in God's presence. And, and, and then she told me to look at my hands and like, there's, there's gold dust. There's like, my hands were shimmering. I'm like, Okay, I didn't recognize what was going on. I remember being in a conference and watching the pastor like point down the aisle as people were coming to the altar call and he just like, power of God. And the whole aisle full of people just fell under the power of God. And I'm there sitting in the back going, you know, like these are the things that marked my conscience. They, they marked me, they shaped me. I remember playing, praying for a man in the Philippines who was blind and, and his sight being restored. I remember um, being stupid and um, going to a movie I shouldn't have gone to, uh, which the title doesn't, it's not important because I don't want you to go look it up, but uh, it, it, was, it was full of demonic activity. Actually, it's probably worth mentioning. It, it's called The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I don't recommend going and watching it, uh, but, but my friends are like, oh, it's not gonna be that scary. And I'm like, nah, I'm pretty sure it will be, but I wanna hang out with my friends. So yeah, sure. I didn't even get through the opening credits and I'm like back out of the cinema going, nah, my spirit is like hibbity-jibbity, no thanks, not into that. And later that night, lying in my bed and two yellow eyes open up on my door and I'm like, ah! <laughs> I legit screamed mummy. <laughs> like, and my mum came running, r- running. She, she came running into my room and I was like, just pray, just pray, just pray. And she prayed and, and it was gone. Fast forward now to, that was like when I was like 16 or 17. Fast forward, I'm like at youth camp in 2018 and I get, 
asked if I could help in this room. And in my head, when someone usually says help, I'm like, oh, they need help moving chairs. Um, and so like, I'm like getting ready to lift chairs. I begin stretching and I walk into this room and they're delivering this young girl with a demon. And I'm like, oh, cool. All right. Um, this is, I've never done this before. And they're like, hey, Pastor Dan, can you help? I'm like, I'm expected to know what to do. <laughs> they don't teach you this in Bible college. Okay. And I remember just, okay, Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, building my inner man, remembering the moments where I had encountered God, remembering the moments where I'd read in Scripture where you have authority over demons, and then being able to speak into that moment, not because I'm anything great, but rather I belong to a kingdom of power. I recognize that these are the things that have shaped me. Listen, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 4.20, I've read it before, but the kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. It also tells us in Luke 17.21 that the kingdom of God is within us. Therefore, the kingdom and the power of God are within us. Therefore, we have a different source that we can draw from when it comes to our life and our experiences that we get to, the off, that we get to offer the world around us. We can either draw from our hurt, our disappointment, our trauma, our pain, or we can draw from the kingdom that's within us and say, you know what, I, I, I don't have what you need in the natural, but in the supernatural, I've got everything you need. If we look in Acts, uh, we see that the, the, um, the first four chapters is like this transition period where Jesus is taken up to heaven and he gives a commission and then the disciples are hanging out and the day of Pentecost happens in chapter two and they established like 3,000 get added to the church and it's this wild time. And then chapter three begins with Peter and John walking in this scenario and they're going back to the temple like they probably did on a regular basis. But this time they notice a man who's, who's crippled at the gate, beautiful. And they go, hey, listen, he's like, hey, I need, he's asking for arms. He's asking for a handout. And they go, hey, in the natural, we don't have what you need. But out of what we do have in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And a miracle is performed, power is used, and a man is made whole and able to walk, dance, and move into the temple. And everyone recognizes him. And so what unfolds over chapter three and chapter four of Acts is like the ramifications of that miracle right at the start of chapter three. And we get to this point where Peter and John are like before the elders of Israel, it's called the Sanhedrin, uh, is like a council of, of elders who are like scholars and learned and, and, and they're like challenging them. What, like, who gave you this authority? What's going on? And, 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 and Peter and John are like, hey, listen, we're, we're just doing what we saw done. We're just doing what we saw Jesus do. Like we're just doing the things that we saw God, Jesus do. It's in Jesus' name that we do this. Uh, and then they say this in uh, Acts chapter four, verse 12. It says this, this is Peter and John saying, talking about Jesus, they said, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which man can be saved. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, this is the Sanhedrin, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men and they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I want that to be said of my life. He wasn't the most educated. He was actually pretty bang on average and ordinary, but he'd been with Jesus. 
I don't know what it was. I didn't know what his education was. I didn't know what his upbringing was. I didn't know what his pedigree was. But I recognized that that man had been with Jesus. That dude had seen Jesus. That young woman had, 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 had been in the presence of God. That, that power has so marked our lives, that, that the, the kingdom of God has so marked our lives that people recognize that on us. It goes on to say a little bit later on um, that Peter and John, they were like telling them not to speak about these things and, and don't do this anymore. And they said, this is how they responded. Uh, verse 18, it says, Then they called to them again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which replied, they said, Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. But as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And then we get to this passage that we read earlier on. So basically, they've been released, and it says this. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together and prayed, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together. They're just summarizing what's been taking place in their life for the last three months, okay? And they, they conspired against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had de decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand, not to make people feel warm and fuzzy, not to make people feel like they've got goosebumps, but stretch out your hand to heal, to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place, the place where they met was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. We're called to demonstrate the power of God. We're called to, to a kingdom that is a kingdom of power. And it's this kingdom that allows us to minister a freedom and a hope that changes people's lives despite what we've been through or despite what we're going through. Listen, miracles confirm the message. It's the power of God that confirms the Word of God. And what does power look like? Yes, sometimes it's explosive and it's extravagant and it's instantaneous. Other times it's small and, 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 and more discreet. It's the strength to address dysfunction handed down from family heritage. It's the vulnerability to forgive someone. It's the humility to serve others like the red frogs are doing earlier tonight that we talked about. It's the boldness to pray for others and expect God to show up miraculously. It's the sense of purpose to evangelize your workmates or your schoolmates or your uni friends. It's the power to lay hands on the sick, but it's also the power of sharing a meal with the homeless. It's the power of hearing God's voice and prophesying into someone's life and future, but it's also seeing the lonely friend at school and sitting with them and saying, you know what, I'm willing to be socially ostracized to make you feel valued. Pastor Sam used to say this all the time, a person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument or an opinion. We need to be a people that are marked and shaped by the power of God. We need to be a church that represents the kingdom, not just in word, but also in power. 
And, and I, can, I can understand that this is frightening because that means us stepping out and praying for people. That means us stepping out and being a little bit weird. That means us stepping out. But can I tell you, woke culture and cancel culture cannot defy someone who gets healed. Woke culture and cancel culture cannot, uh, cannot counteract someone whose life is changed by the power of God. It can't, it can't speak uh, against the, the woman who, who comes out of a, an eating disorder. It can't speak to the marriage that gets healed. It can't speak against the things that transform people's lives, which only come through the power of God. And regardless of your age and stage in life, if you're still here and you're still breathing and you still have a pulse, which I hopefully is everyone in the room and maybe everyone listening to me right now, God still wants to use you to demonstrate His power on the earth today. You don't have to be the pastor on stage. It said they were ordinary, average Joes with no education. That automatically qualifies pretty much everyone. But they had been with Jesus. They'd seen Jesus, they'd heard from Jesus. Listen, it matters that you learn theology and know what we believe. It matters that you're part of a life group and participate in Sunday gatherings. It matters that you read your Bible, pray fast and follow Christ's example in personal disciplines. It matters that we serve in the church and in the community, but it also matters that we encounter God, His power, and it shapes our lives. These are the things that matter. We owe the world an encounter with God. Not because it's about us, but because that they might witness and experience the reality of the kingdom that we claim to be a part of. Sometimes it's gonna be in the quiet, unseen moments that power shifts things powerfully, regardless of any eyes seeing it. Other times it'll be public displays of power that confirm the good news and the reality of a living God and His invitation towards humanity. Christine Kane says, the light that is in you has to be greater than the light that is on you. And the truth is we all walk into workplaces tomorrow, into schools tomorrow, into universities tomorrow. And I wonder if the light that is in us is gonna shine brighter than the, the eyes that are upon us because we belong to a kingdom of power. You walk in authority, you walk in sonship and daughtership of the Most High God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's on your side. He's not only on your side cheering you on, He's within you wanting, wanting to demonstrate His reality to the world around you. Don't overlook the simple small moments of just being a friend. Don't overlook the simple small moments of just encouraging someone. Don't overlook the simple small moments of just being present. But also don't miss the opportunity when it is available to pray, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons. Uh, Mark says in Mark 16, these signs follow those who believe. They shall raise the dead, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, cast out demons. That's our inheritance. That's our mandate but our life needs to be shaped by that same power. We can't give the world something that we have not yet received for ourselves. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. 
And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.